Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And it is my absolute honor to bring you special guests covering unique topics in the workplace that aren't typically covered every single week, and this is no different. So I'd like to welcome Tony Forstner, co-founder and COO of Enrichly, a platform for K through 12 to help these students build self-esteem, etiquette, and social skills, along with his co-founder and CEO, Margot Jordan. They also have a customized adult program they use for development or corporate development. So. Tony, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, you had a little bit of a harrowing trip today. It is because Houston and Dallas are probably two of the worst places for traffic everywhere. And um, I ran into traffic coming through Houston. And <laughs> we were like coming in hot. Yeah, immediately, <laughs> as soon as I got to Dallas, I ran into more traffic. So. That is horrible. You know, the other day, I went to run like a 30 minute errand in the middle of the day, which I don't typically do, but I'm like, it's 30 minutes. I'll use my lunch and I'll just, you know, go do this. I got stuck behind a wreck two and a half hours oh my gosh. in the middle of a work day. <laughs> I was panicking. I was like, at least I get my email on my phone, you know? Yes. That, that's the worst because you're like, oh, I'll just pop in and I'll pop it, you know, pop out, pop yeah. in. And it, it doesn't was, happen. Oh, I was like, should I tell somebody? Don't listen to this, please. <laughs> 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 but it was, but, but you know, I put time in and other times. So, unfortunately, my company's so good about that. They're like, we don't care what you're doing as long as you get your work mm -hmm. done. And I'm like, you know, smart. companies should take note of that. Really, there's a lot of things that just are normal creature comforts. Like me personally, I'm not the type of person who likes to punch a clock in and punch a clock out every day and do a time card and all those things. And it's not because of the control aspect of it. It's because if you trust me to pay me a certain dollar amount, you should also trust me to manage my time. Yes. And I just feel like at, a, at, a, at an executive position or at a senior level of management, you're kind of paying me to manage my time anyway. Yeah. So I really feel like, you know, that I've, I've always worked salary. I haven't had an hourly position since I was in high school, but um, those salary positions, can be I worked for Harris County um, in Houston and that was very rigid in terms of like your schedule you had to punch yeah. in at this time punch out at that time and, and it's kind of the same type of job you're salaried and they're paying you you know whatever sum of money yeah you don't trust me enough to, to you know complete tasks or complete deliverables which is far more important than it you know exactly across the board you know it's so interesting because in my first role as a recruiter it was very much like that. Like you had what we called prime time mm. where you were at your desk pounding out the calls, right? Mm. And and you got a report at the end of that prime time to see how many calls you made and everybody else got the same report. Mm. So everybody got to see how everybody else was oh, doing. Yeah. It was really competitive, right? And mm. it was, you know, and you would have certain times when you could do your interviews and you had to have a certain number of client visits and all this kind of stuff had to be logged in a system where everybody could see. And I mean, and good for accountability, but at the same time, when I came over to VIP, like, I was like, where's the call logs? Mm. 
Mm. How am I supposed to know what, how many calls I made? And they're like, just, are you making placements? Right. And I'm like, okay. And then like, uh, one of the girls that I work with and I love her to death and she, but she does not function in the morning and they recognize that. And so like, you'll get emails at midnight, 1am in the morning. She's working then, but do not call her at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's not her time. And VIP is so good about allowing people to operate in their zone of passion or Mm -hmm. their passion zones where they work best that it works. It's hugely important. Yeah. The culture of a place is everything. I've worked at places that didn't pay quite as much but had a really great culture, and I was far happier at those jobs than I was with something that may have been. I've had much higher paying jobs where I was miserable every single day that I came in and the culture of a company, I think is like, you should start with that. Yes. Okay. And I want to talk about culture because you started out uh, a little bit differently than most of us, but first, well, and this kind of relates to how we met. Sure. So tell everybody how we met. So, um, we have a mutual friend, Yes. Daniel Hans. Yes. Um, He runs a program called the catalyst, uh, where he helps veterans transition. Um, I went through the program myself. And it's a phenomenal program. It's full of, um, he brings some really uh, prominent people in, experts in the field, and kind of walks you through all these different things. But Daniel Hans is a mutual friend of ours. And um, so he introduced us and brought us together. And um, it's been fun ever since. It was so interesting when he introduced us and he was like, yeah, because you came to our Successful Dallas Veteran Success, our inaugural event. Yeah. And you were like, great food, by the way. It was oh, twelve cuts. <laughs> shout out Brazilian Steakhouse. Huge they catered out. the event. It was amazing. Um, but you know, you came up there and he introduces me to you, and I'm like, oh, you know, you're like, I just drove in from Houston. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, because Daniel told me to. Yeah, and I was he, like, that's pretty powerful. So, yeah. so I went. He, me and Daniel are um, very good friends, and we actually served together. Um, back when I was in the military and my journey in the military was even a little different because I was enlisted for a very long time before I commissioned so as a lieutenant which is typically a junior position I was extremely experienced and so people like Dan who were like much younger than me I'm you know without saying what my age is but they're coming into it with a very fresh perspective of things and there's a lot of things that they just don't know and right. so Dan tells the story a lot more colorfully uh, colorfully than I will um, but generally speaking I always had kind of a passion for mentorship mm-hmm. and I would very often see young men that had untold potential but they were kind of getting in their own way mm, and, don't we all right so <laughs> Daniel as a young lieutenant which so he was in his 20s and now he's a very professional person he's a, he's a, I don't think he's still like but in it, you know as a young man in his 20s just starting his military career um he was making a lot of mistakes and um I had an option at that point and I could have just kind of put my head down and said you know I'm fine I know what I need to know and just good luck to everybody else or I could use the experience and knowledge that I had to try and help the people around me um, and that's to no benefit to me whatsoever it was competitive mm-hmm. environment so if anything it was hurting me more than it was helping me but um, but I just I kind of pulled Dan aside one day and I, I had told him you know maybe a different approach would be you know <laughs> would be more beneficial for you or more helpful for you and he really took that to heart and he really took my advice to heart 
Um, to this day, I'm still kind of blown away by how much of an impact that one moment had of mentorship. Um, but it, it changed the trajectory of his career. It changed the trajectory of, you know, how he approaches business and life. And, you know, it's such a small thing for me. I, I didn't even think anything of it until I talked to Dan many years later. Um, but it had an impact on him, and he, and he appreciated that. And um, I always liked Dan. He's just always kind of a, a fun guy anyway. But um, it really uh, endeared me to him in a, in a way that I really didn't realize. So That is – I did not know that about you too. And how full circle that you ended up going through his program, which he may never have – you know, put together had you not given him that advice back then. It's very true. And that changed your life. It's very true. And, you know, the perspective of that program is a lot about mindset. Yes. How do you approach things and what is your mental uh, position when you approach these different things? And, you know, even I, as experienced as I am, I'm experienced entre entrepreneur, experienced soldier, all those things, um, still was something to learn, still was something to see. And I think that that may have been the thing. It's because I wasn't chastising to him. I wasn't, well, you shouldn't have did that and you did it all wrong. I really quite literally approached him and said, maybe it's just your approach because he was, you know, he, he was really upset because what he was saying was valid, but the way that he was going about trying to get his point across was completely wrong. It was not going to be received well by anybody in senior leadership. And I knew that because I had been senior leadership at one point and, you know, there's a way to do things, Absolutely. especially in the military. Yeah, I will. I don't have any military background. I, you know, my son was in the military, Air Force. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my dad, my ex-husband, both in the military. They were in the Marine Corps. Uh, current boyfriends was in the Army. Mm. So I guess he's approved, yeah. you know. <laughs> he is. Thumbs up. <laughs> oh, but it's so interesting. But I want to kind of go back to what you said about that moment where you changed his life and you didn't know it. Mm. Because in, in kind of what we're talking about, because I know one of the things that Enrichly does is it really helps with that self-esteem for those kids. And I want to tell you, I had a mentor that did that for me later in life, you know, because a lot of times we go through life trying to control what other people think about mm, us. Right. Yes, yes. And it just so happened. We've been we've known each other for about six years and we'd kind of lost contact. But she has a podcast, a very popular podcast called Women Your Mother Warned You About. <laughs> And I told her back when I first started podcasting, I was like, I want to go on your show. And she goes, I know. And that was it. And I was like, okay. It's not a great answer. No, yeah. no. But it was, I mean, she had some very popular people on it, you know, and very high rankings. And I was being very bold and getting my ass in gear to ask that. And she said, no. And I mean, that's the worst that's going to happen. Somebody's going to tell you no when you ask a question, it's, right? It's no if you don't ask. Exactly. Definitely no then. So anyway, the other day, we hadn't talked in a couple of years, um, and she, uh, I saw that she'd published a book, and I knew that was her lifelong dream, and so I reached back out to her, and I was like, hey, we need to catch up. And she's like, yeah, oh, by the way, I'm married now. I'm like, what? We really need to catch up. But here's the, I'm making this a really long story. So we schedule a time to catch up, and she goes, hey, after we catch up, why don't we do a podcast together? And I'm like, oh, yes. I get to be a woman your mother warned you about. She was like, yes, you do. Five years later, but yes. But when I went on the podcast, I said, I want to tell you something that I'm not sure that you realize. And she gave me several pieces of advice, but the best piece of advice that truly transformed how I hold myself when I walk in a room, how I hold myself when I deal with situations. And what she told me, are you ready? Drum roll. Drum roll, please. I'm not a very good drummer. My son's a drummer. Um, 
She said, it's none of your business what other people think about you. So true. I was going to totally oh, say that. Isn't that so <laughs> yes. good? And when I quit caring what other people thought about me, my self-esteem went way up because I was the only one that mattered. Yes. So I just, I thought that was real important to share. We talk a lot about like, my background's in psychology, right? And one of the, the key concepts is like an internal versus external locus of control. Yes. And that's so your mindset is either it's the things that happen to me on the outside that determine my mindset or it's the things that I think and feel on the inside that determine my mindset. And you will find that people that have an internal locus of control are much more stable and have better self-esteem because they create the narrative for yes. themselves as opposed to looking for their environment. And so a lot of the children that we work with, one of the things that we really try to stress in the programming is that you are an independent agent in your environment, that this environment, as we work in a lot of underserved communities, um, we work in some third world countries as well. And even though your environment may not be ideal, you have control over what you do and how you react and how you choose to move through that environment. It doesn't mean that whatever this is, is you. Yes. You know, one of the things I say all the time is that you get to co-create your perception of reality with every choice that you make. So true. Yeah. Because, you know, you can choose to look at that situation as bad and you can have that reaction or you can have that visceral reaction, but you can also control that reaction and you can choose how you're going to respond to that stimuli. And a lot of people think it's so beyond their control and it's not. And you're right. I love that when you talk about the internal local locus of control locus of control and i think that's so true because you know i sit down every morning with myself and i spend time just with myself in meditation so important and i think that again is another thing so many things have changed my life and for different reasons but i think that is what i mean you could come up to me and say i hate your guts i'm like okay <laughs> you know <laughs> just like uh you're not my person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for telling me early. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to waste time here. And, and I think if people can get to that point where they realize they get to choose mm, yes. how they see the world around them. It's like having lenses on, right? Yes. And I think, so I feel like that's kind of what y'all are doing with Enrichly is you're teaching them to move those lenses. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about the programs because I've... I've got to play with it, and I think yeah. it's really cool. It's even better now. I don't. Think, I don't know if you've seen it recently, but we've done a lot of. Um, so we've parsed it out to be more specific for different age groups. But generally, what we do is we come into the classroom and we start with a discussion about healthy and unhealthy self-esteem. Um, it's the first lesson in every course for every grade level, because you have to define it. And for a lot of people, I think that you never really define what your self-esteem is like, what do I even think self-esteem is? And you'd be surprised at the types of, even when we do adult training, mm -hmm. when we ask that question and we say, what is self-esteem? Basic question. You'd be surprised at some of the answers that you get. Um, a lot of people feel like that's confidence, but it's not confidence because there's a lot of very confident, skilled people that have very low self-esteem. You could look across any number of entertainment industries, the sports industry, you can look at all these people are professional actors and athletes and musicians. They are extremely confident. Yes. However, you also see that there's suicides and broken marriages and bad relationships and all of these other different things that you see about these people. And 
a lot of those things are tied directly back to their self-esteem. So you can be very confident and still have very low self-esteem. And so okay. we, you have to define. Define it, please. Because right? now I'm kind of second guessing myself. Right. Well, so your, your self-esteem is literally your perception of how you fit into the world in a good way or a bad way. So in, mm. in other words, when I look at other people, right, I feel like I'm just as good as you are or I don't. I feel like I'm just as effective or just as useful as any of the other people around me or I don't. And those that differentiation between how you f perceive yourself, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily where you actually are, but how you perceive yourself to be around other people. It's a choice. It is very much a choice, totally a choice. And that um, kind of is the secret sauce, is it's really not anything complicated that we have to do. If I can change your mindset about how you perceive yourself in the world and how you perceive yourself as you measure up to other people, then I can improve your self-esteem. And so that's what, and we've proven that we can do that. I love that, I love it. You know, and I love that you're catching them so young when those synapses are still, I mean, we, they always develop, but they're in hyper development mode Correct. and teach them and give them that tool. You know, I get to do a lot of work with young executives and I am just trying to pour every tool I've got into them so that I can help collapse the timeline. And I was having a conversation with one today and he was just like, and. I told him something, I don't even remember what it was, but it was so simple, something that I thought was simple. And he went, whoa, life-changing. And I'm like, right. oh, you're welcome. Something you small know? for you. Yeah, and, but it's something that, you know, I didn't learn until later in life. If I had, I, I feel like if I had known what I know now, if somebody had told me when I was in my 20s, I would be ruling the world. Yes, I would be <laughs> in such a different position if somebody had come and told me yes. early that, <laughs> That you it's get not to choose. so bad, and you can choose. Yeah, that yeah. it's it's different. And we, you know, right now we're 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 in HISD, which is um, if anybody watches the news a little bit knows that they they've gone through a takeover and they're having a bunch of uh, issues and stuff. But we're still there, good, um, because the 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 program is still very valuable. And you know, a lot of their focus is on academics. Their focus mm -hmm. is. Um, the police department that we work with, we're actually with HISD PD, the, the resource officers that work in HISD. Um, they're concerned about violence. They're seeing an increase in violence. And, you know, we talk about the company that we reduce occurrences of youth violence. We do, we improve academic, we improve all kinds of other things about, and a lot of times a school will look and say, well, your academics are bad, so do more academics. But the problem with that is, if I don't feel about myself that I can do this work, then I'm never gonna apply myself. I'm never yeah. gonna try. And so I never will reach my full potential because I don't feel good enough about myself to even try. So I could do math 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as you want me to, but if I never feel good enough to improve, I'll never, I'll never do that. And so we definitely uh, approach it from, from that viewpoint that we improve the self everything else will improve after that. You know, I'm so appreciative of people like you that have the heart to serve our younger communities and help them. You know, I've been in, in I feel like it's a, like an energy that I'm in right now because I seem to be attracting a lot of you guys <laughs> <laughs> and I want to help everybody, you know, and it's just right. not possible, but I, I'm, you know, I'm very happy that I get to support you guys in what little ways that I can, but I want to talk, I know you have some adult programs mm -hmm. and I want to talk about 
self-esteem in the workplace because this is really where that comment came from that my mentor gave me and, I, and, I'll, and I'll be completely honest with what happened after we talk about this but why do you think self-esteem is so important in the workplace and what and how do you think it impacts an individual in their job performance absolutely so the, the same exact way that a child their grades and their behavior is impacted by what their self-esteem is it doesn't change when you turn into an adult and I say this all the time when I'm talking about the programming, when we're talking to different clients and things like that, and they talk about, well, you know, you do this stuff for kids. So what we do is very colorful and it's very kid-centric, but most people, um, unless they sign up for that program, don't see our adult ver the mm -hmm. adult version of our program. But I say all the time that the principles of self-esteem remain the same if you're six or 60. Yeah. The, the basics are always self-reliance, self-responsibility, self-acceptance, all these things whether you're a, a, a small child or an adult, those things still matter. And so when someone goes into the workplace and they don't feel like they are um, you know, capable of really reaching their potential, and you, you may not even be aware of it. It's, it's actually almost more of a subconscious thing mm -hmm. than it is an active thing, but you may not even be aware that you're not achieving what you really could be able to achieve because you don't even believe that you can. And so our professional development starts off very much the same for adults as it does for children in that we need to talk about you and your self-esteem. How do you define self-esteem for yourself? And what does it mean to have healthy or unhealthy self-esteem? And then let's deal with those issues and then we'll move on uh, to kind of work on the more specific things. But we got to start with you. Yeah, and that's in really, and I've never told anybody this story before. There's only one other person that knows it, and that's the person that gave me that advice. So honored. <laughs> so being very vulnerable here, don't make fun of me. Um, Vulnerability is my business. So. <laughs> so it's when I had first started the podcast, and it wasn't. I hadn't been at VIP very long, and so they put a lot of trust into me early on. Mm. I think I'd been with them for a year, maybe a year and a half, when we started the podcast, and I was still trying to manipulate and control everybody's perceptions of me, you know? I'm like, I'm gonna do this and you're gonna think this and if you don't think this, we're gonna have to talk about why you don't think this. Right. Because this is how I want you to think about me. Right. You know? Yes. And it, Gina Tremarco, women your mother warned you about, the host, she was spending a lot of time in Dallas, she lives in South Carolina, um, doing sales training around the DFW area, but she would office at our office. But then eventually, so she got to know my managing partner, Mike Haynes, really well. You know, they went to lunch, they would leave me out, all those kind of things. <laughs> Maybe that's what contributed to it. It's possible. But my self-esteem, real imposter syndrome when I first started the podcast, because I'm like, who's going to listen to me? Who's, you know, yeah. all So that. many people are doing podcasts. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, why? Why do I want to throw my voice in this ring? But anyway, so I had Gina come on. So Gina, this big co- or she was a co-host at the time. Now she's just a host of this big podcast that she'd been doing for a long time, you know? And I had her on the show. And when we got done, she's like, Casey, you're really good at this. And I'm like, and really she said good. a few other things. And I said, what I want you to do is I want you to send an email to Mike. And I want you to tell him how much fun you had on the podcast and how good you think I am. But don't let him know that I told you to tell him. <laughs> do you see the manipulation there? Yes. <laughs> and she goes, Setting conditions. And she goes, I'll do that for you. But why? Hmm. I was like. I want him to know that this is valuable. And she's like, that's not it. Why? And I mean, she asked me why so many times. She almost had me crying. Mm. And that's when she said, 
It's none of your business what other people think about you. So true. Isn't that powerful? So true. But it's freeing. It's it, yes. it, it, it's freedom. When you are not concerned about what other people think or what other people's opinions are, then you're free to act as you see fit. And in some cases, most cases, you're probably right about what you should yes. do, if not influences by outside factors. Now, I do want to put some caveats around that, some some guardrails. Yes, there's always so, guardrails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're free to act when you don't care what, but within reason. Like, so whenever I show up, I have my internal rules that I write down every quarter. Mm. Some of them change, some of them get added to, mm. and some new ones get added. And then I have, I know my core values inside and out, you know? And mm. so when I show up and when I, as long as I'm acting in alliance with my or in alignment with my core values and my internal rules then yes i have permission not to care what other people think yes and that's but that's hugely important is you have to have those guidelines for yourself you have to have rules for yourself even though you are not concerned about what other people think you still have to kind of have your own compass your yes. own kind of north star guiding points that i will do this i will not do this um, because without that then you are i mean you you also have to have empathy. You have to have empathy for the people around you. Um, all those things are hugely important, but yes. And I'm still working on all that. I, I'm one of those people, um, and I know this about myself, I've done so many assessments, but believe it or not, I'm more task-oriented than people-oriented. Mm. And a lot of people would assume the opposite, and it's just not true. Mm. And so like when I get focused on a task, the people fall to the side. And so I have to really be aware of that. But that's part of that self-awareness. Yeah. I'm, I'm really bad about that as well. Like I'll text somebody out of the blue, like, hey, do you have this thing? Without really saying things like, good morning. And, I do know, that how, too, exactly. Do I'll just immediately text you what yes. I need from you. Just, so many times, especially like an email, like somebody will say, oh, blah, 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 blah. And can you do this? And I'm like, yes, I'll take care of this. Instead of saying, oh, thank you for that. Yes. You know? I'm not good at the, the, the extraneous things. I am so glad I'm the only one that does that. I'm very, I'm, chief of operations it's I, I feel like it's kind of it comes with the job but I'm very task oriented so I very often will text someone and just be like hey I need this thing without really saying hi or any of those this other, is probably why you and I get along so well probably. on text <laughs> yeah, get to the point get to the point <laughs> I love that so are there any drawbacks either personally or in business to having too much self-esteem Yes, you actually can have too high of a self-esteem because let's remember that it's a perception. It's not necessarily a fact. And so if you have too high of a self-esteem, you can lack empathy. Uh, to, to bring it back to that, you can lack empathy for other people because you are more concerned about yourself than you are about the people around you and how you interact with them. You can disconnect yourself from um, your environment and other people to your detriment as well. Mm. Um, so you can have a higher self-esteem that is not healthy. You can be, you can have unhealthy self-esteem that's high. Um, a narcissist would be probably like a very extreme version of that because a narcissist feels like they are the absolute best and there's nothing or nobody that is anywhere near as good as they are, which you would think is like, hey, that's a great perception, but it's mm. but it's not because they also tend to lack empathy. They yes. also tend to not care 
about other people or other people's condition or their feelings or any of those other things. So. Or even the fact that they lie. Or the fact that they lie, yes. I've dealt with a narcissist, can you tell? <laughs> For those watching this podcast, if you saw my face kind of like shrink yeah, up, so I, that's bringing back bad memories. I feel like a lot of women would just point to some guy. <laughs> this wasn't even a guy. Really? This was a woman narcissist. Interesting. And it was the first narcissist I ever dealt with in my life, and I had no clue what I was coming up against. And then when I finally somebody brought it up to me, because I didn't even know what a narcissist was, mm. and this wasn't that long ago, and I was like, <gasps> when you meet one for real, oh, a lot of, they, people throw so that word around bad. a lot, but when you meet one for real, it's it's it's, it's bad. yeah, it's like you can't get away fast enough, <laughs> right. and you just yeah, it's bad. So oh my goodness. I, you know, this time, I know you feel like you just got here. I do. But it has flown by. Yes. So, I, but I want to definitely ask you our VIP questions. So. Sure, sure. Okay. You ready? You sure? Yes. I briefly glanced at them, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go <laughs> off the, I'm going to improvise and go off the top of my Okay. Head. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? You can take me. <laughs> I would love to take you, Casey. <laughs> so the operations manager in me ah. automatically thinks of who are the people that you would need to have there. So I would, I could probably give you a list of different types of experts and things like that. But at the same time, um, I have five children and being away from them for any length of time would be extremely difficult. So I'm already probably out of the running for Mars because if I could not bring my children with me- then You're declining? I, I would have to decline because if I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there forever. And I don't, I don't know that I could do that. I did not know you had five kids, by the way. Yeah, I do have five <laughs> children. I have adult children. My oldest is 28 and my youngest is six months. Oh my gosh. So yes, huge, huge <laughs> I'm a procrastinator also. I guess so. Wow. That's, that is a big difference. Okay. Second question. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I always take some quiet time for myself. I, my day always starts with a little bit of, um, so I'm a gamer, um, but there is um, psychological research that says that you can play certain types of games and it puts your mind in a certain uh, position that you're more likely to be able to receive other things. So Interesting. I typically we'll start with a simple game. Um, I, I play a card game. It's basically a math game, um, but I play a little card game um, and it kind of blanks my mind out um, because it's, it's just kind of like a repetitive thing. Following that, I always look at my calendar. I, I, st I always start with my calendar. What is happening today? What is happening tomorrow? What do I need to be prepared for? How do I need to get ready? And right after my calendar comes the emails. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say emails first. No, that's no. so bad. I, I don't. I don't. Well, emails are a trap. Yes. Because emails are going to come. Um, they come like a flood, and they come from all different directions. And it's very easy to get distracted by email, and it moves away from being a tool and starts to become, you know, a control, a, a liability. Yeah, so. for sure. Okay, final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Hmm. I'd like to think leadership. Um, I try to take a, besides all of the other things, a mindset of, le of leadership, servant leadership specifically. Um, I learned very early what it means to lead other people and what it means to other people. And so out of all the things that I do, I take that very seriously, whether it has to be 
with my children or with adults or with other other people's children, um, which I work with a lot. Um, I always try to take a mindset of, of leadership, like what is, and so that's broad, but it's what's setting the right example, what mm. is um, in the best service of the people that you lead, and just concepts like that. But I, I would like to think leadership. I, I would like to people re would remember me as a leader. I definitely see that side of you. <laughs> Thank you. So how do people find you or learn more about Enrichly? Where's the best place to go? Sure. So the website is www.enrichly.com. Dot live that's e-n-r-i-c-h-l-y dot live um, that will bring you to the portal that gives you access to all the programming and things like that if you have children um, and you're interested we have a sign up for just parents um, so that you can uh, introduce your children to the court uh, to the games and the coursework and all those different things and they give you uh, insight so the other part of what we do is also the data um, so we do data collection and analysis uh, to prove the efficacy of the program. And so you as a parent or you as a youth-focused organization can actual, see actual metrics on the improvement of the students as they go through the program. So. And how do they reach you specifically? So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I am one of the few Forstners. On, my brother is probably the other one. <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm Anthony Forstner on LinkedIn. That's the, the easiest and fastest way to reach me you know, uh, from a public position. Um, and, and we'll be sure to put that in the show notes because the spelling of your last name is a little different. It's a little different, yes. I'm a little different. So. You are a little different. <laughs> but that's a good thing. It is. It yeah. Is. You want to be the red crayon and, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. But generally speaking, yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, I just have one last thing to say to you besides thanks for making the trek from Houston to Dallas today. Um, you are a VIP. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.